Hey podcast family, I wanted to take a minute to explain how we'll be posting audios here, at least starting out. Regular episodes of the podcast will post every two weeks on Thursdays, and on the Thursdays in between podcasts, we'll post a bonus audio, either something we recorded in the course of our local work, or a feature audio we think you might really get value from. We'll also post the audio version of our Mission Minutes on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So, every week, we'll be posting four audios to the podcast platform. Now, we've actually had a bit of a debate on the team about whether this is the best way to go about doing things. So, if you've got feedback for us, drop us a note by email or on social media and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you and get your input. Having said that, today's bonus audio is from a recent session our core team had here in San Diego, where I shared on how knowing your identity and getting clarity around your purpose sets you on a path in life that leads to a lasting legacy. So I have not shared this particular illustration for a while, but it really fits with what we studied this week out of the master plan of evangelism. So it's a simple little devotional that traces our identity to our legacy and the connection. You know, if you think of these as bookends, that it starts with knowing who we are, our identity in Christ, and as those who've been called by Christ, and how that can lead to a legacy. So I'd like us to run through this just before we dive into chapter 4 of Master Plan. But if you would, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And while you guys are turning there, anyone have an idea by memory? What is 1 Samuel 17? Pretty famous chapter. Is it Saul being a knucklehead? <laughs> Saul is being a knucklehead. It's a pretty good that, uh, it is Saul's era. In 16, um, Samuel had just gone to the house of Jesse. So. Correct. Samuel had gone to Jesse in chapter 16. So what happens in chapter 17? Is this when he like, tries to sacrifice without? <laughs> I don't think so. That was a little bit earlier. Okay. Yeah. So chapter 17 is Goliath. So uh, David and Goliath. Real famous <laughs> chapter. And we, we see this story about how there's this mighty warrior from the Philistines that is challenging day after day. He's challenging the armies of Israel, and no one has enough courage, enough boldness to go down and face. So you've got these two armies, the Philistines and the Israelite armies, and they're, they're facing each other, and there's a valley in between. And for those of us who went to Israel a couple of trips back, we actually went to this valley, which is pretty amazing, um, to, to be standing there and to see the small creek in between the, the two ridges where David would have picked up his five smooth stones. Um, and uh, also, we just saw, like, it's not a very big hill. Like, the, the, the hills that the valley rests between uh, are not, it's not like when David went down the hill to, to confront Goliath, it was a long run. In fact, do you remember, Keith, how long would it take? He said that they actually reenacted this. Like, from the time that David ran to face Goliath, how long it would have taken? It was, uh, you got it, Zach? Do you remember? We was slow creeping. I remember on the side of the road. You say he was going about the pace. And then he pulled <laughs> off and he's like, I'll probably get a ticket, but this is where it. I think he said that they reenacted it where they had a young man stand up at the top of the hill and run down the hill to the creek. And it was something like 20 seconds, 30 seconds. It was less than a minute for sure. So the time that David 
acted to move towards Goliath, ran down the hill, and then moved out into the valley. Mm-hmm. It would not take a lot of time for this to happen. But we're going to pick it up part partway through chapter 17. We're going to look at verse 41. It says, The Philistine kept coming closer to David, with his shield-bearer walking in front of him. When the Philistine looked carefully at David, he despised him, for he was only a ruddy and handsome boy. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you are coming after me with sticks? Now remember, David basically took his staff and his sling. That was it. So if you can imagine this fully armed and armored warrior of the Philistines, Goliath, he's got his spear, he's got a shield bearer, and he looks out at the person that the Israelites have sent to fight him, and it's this young man, it says boy here, but probably a young man, maybe in his late teens, and he's wearing a shepherd's clothing, he's got a stick, a staff, and maybe he didn't even notice the sling, but The Philistine despises this warrior that the Israelites have sent. Am I a dog that you are coming after me with sticks? Then the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come here to me, so I can give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the wild animals of the field. And you imagine this imposing warrior that's confronting David and God's armies. Um... Very intimidating. And there's a parallel for us today that if we're going to move out and confront the forces of darkness, like Paul says, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the principalities, against the world forces of darkness in Ephesians 6. If we're going to be willing to face these these champions of the other side, spiritual champions, spiritual Goliaths, they're not to be taken lightly. They really are dangerous and menacing, uh, the Goliaths that we're going to have to face. And they don't back down. If you see the way that Goliath is taunting David, it would be very easy to be intimidated by that. But look at David's response in verse 45. But David replied to the Philistine, You are coming against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I am coming against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel's armies, whom you have defied. This very day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down and cut off your head. This day I will give the corpses of the Philistine army to the birds of the sky and the wild animals of the land. Then all the land will realize that Israel has a God. And all this assembly will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will deliver you into our hand. And it's amazing to see the confidence that David has as he comes against this warrior, Goliath. Now, what was the basis of David's confidence? That's really what I want to start out with tonight. What do you think made David so confident? Again, there's, he wasn't even in the army. This army had been um, refusing to fight Goliath for 40 days. They had just been taking the taunts of the enemy. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, and then Goliath 
I'm sorry, David shows up just to check in on his brothers, his older brothers who were in the Israelite army and to bring them some, some supplies. And he becomes aware of Goliath and is willing to not only fight him, but then we see that he's very bold as he confronts Goliath. So why do you think David was so bold? That's, that's definitely one of the reasons. Even though David was not in the military, he was not in the army, he did have experience with danger and with uh, dangerous enemies. As a shepherd, he had confronted both the bear and the lion, and he had managed to overcome them. He had uh, fought with bears and lions. So he did have some background, some experience. But I want to suggest there was another reason that, that gave David the confidence that he had. And it had to do with his identity. And Brian actually touched on it earlier, right? Because we're in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, but chapter 16 had already happened. And what happened in chapter 16? The prophet Samuel came to Bethlehem, and what did he do? He anointed David as king. That was the ace that David had up his sleeve. Whatever was going to happen that day on the battlefield, David was not going to die. David had a word from God of who he was and what what God's purpose was for him in the future. And when Goliath, and, and even with when Saul and the rest of the Israelite, even his own brothers, um, if you remember the story, looked down on David. You know, when his older brother heard David, you know, talking, you know, big about uh, how dare this Goliath, how dare this Philistine. Remember his older brother, what did he say? Yeah, he was like, oh, you're just talking big, you know. Um, but uh, he wasn't just talking big. When they looked, when Saul, Goliath, and even his brothers looked at David, they saw this, this handsome youth, this shepherd. But that was not David's identity. David's identity was the future king of Israel. And David knew that. He had been anointed by the prophet. He had heard God's identity of who he was, the future king. So that's the ace up his sleeve, that when he confronts Goliath, he can do it with boldness because he knows who he is, who God sees him as. And he doesn't see himself the way Goliath sees him or the way Saul sees him or the way his older brother sees him. He knows who he is. And so... In the same way, you and I, we need to know who we are in Christ because that's going to give us boldness. Boldness to move out into the spiritual war that all of us are being sent into. Very important. It doesn't matter what other people look at you and see. What matters is who God says you are. What is your identity according to to God, because that is going to be the source of your boldness. And if you have a strong grasp on that, you can have courage far above and beyond what you could come up with on your own. Like, yes, like bears and lions, no doubt that gave David some confidence because he, he had faced danger. But uh, I think his identity and this experience that he had had with Samuel uh, took him way over the top and allowed him to do what no one else 
that day was willing to do, which was fight the enemies of God's army. Well, even though Andrew that he took out like the bears and the lions, it says in verse 37, he doesn't take credit for it. He said, the Lord who delivered me from the mouth of the lion. Right. Yeah, same thing, right? Because, I mean, the lion's not going to kill him. The bear's not going to kill him. Mm-hmm. Because God has said, you're the future king. So this is who I am. That's what identity has to do with. Who are you according to God? And your identity is really going to lead to your purpose. And your purpose is, why are you here? So identity has to do with who are you. Purpose has to do with why are you here. And that leads to focus. Which is another thing that we really need if we're going to live out uh, the life that God has for us. So does anyone know Philippians chapter 1 verses 21 and 22? Pretty famous verses. It starts out, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That's verse 21, very popular verse, but not very many of us are as familiar with verse 22. But if I am to remain on in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. And I am torn between the two. I don't know which one I should choose. But to remain on in the flesh is more important for your sakes. And because of this, I'm confident that God will leave me here on this earth. These were Paul's words in Philippians chapter 1. Remember, he's writing from jail. He's writing to the Philippians. And he's telling them, look, if I'm going to live in this life, it means Christ. If I'm going to stay stay on in this life, that means I'm going to live for Christ. But if I die, it only gets better. So if I die, that means gain. And it's this weird philosophical conversation that Paul is having, almost with himself, as he's writing, which he does every now and then. Uh, he's kind of, sort of having this internal conversation with himself. And uh, he says, but to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Right? So for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh... That means fruitful labor. So what do you guys think when you hear that? What, what, what was Paul getting at? Go ahead, Keith. Uh, just like fruitful labor, so like increasing work, you know, the work that I'm doing, God's going to be increasing all the more. So it wasn't going to be uh, stagnant if I was here to town long, but like, yeah, I mean, so many, so many of us, as we go through life, we really lack focus. And it's because we're not clear on our purpose. Why are we here? So Paul knew, if I am to remain on the flesh, that can mean only one thing. God has fruitful labor for me to do. If he didn't have fruitful labor for me to do, he would take me. Because it's better to be with Christ. And so Christ would not just leave me down here on the earth just to sort of wait around until I die the only reason he has me here is because there's fruitful labor that he wants to bring out of my life and so pretty amazing that Paul could write this as he's sitting in jail Uh, he could write this to the Philippians that I'm still alive that must mean God has fruitful labor for me there's something there's something yet God wants to do through my life otherwise he would take me because 
to be with Christ is better. And so Christ isn't going to leave me here unless there is a purpose, that there's fruitful labor that he wants to bring out of my life. Now these, I think, are really the bedrock. If you and I can get a strong grasp on who we are according to Jesus, and we can begin to shape our purpose based on what he says he's got us here on this earth to do, not to chase after all these other things that we come up with on our own or what the world is telling us, hey, this is the purpose that you should give your life to. But what does God say? What is this fruitful labor that God says he wants to bring out of our lives? If you can get clear on your identity, it's going to give you boldness. If you can get clear on your purpose, it's going to bring focus to your life. And that is going to begin to shape your behavior. And so your behavior is how you act at given times. Right? So identity is who you are. Purpose is why you're here. Those two things begin to shape how you act day in and day out. And over time, your behavior, as you begin to give yourselves to living out of your identity and your purpose, is going to shape your lifestyle, which is how you live. So behavior is how you act in the moment, but if you do that consistently enough, it becomes a lifestyle. It's what Paul describes in 2 Timothy chapter 3 as his way of life. And that is what Timothy, part of what Timothy got from Paul was his way of life, his way of going about his day in, day out living. And that leads to destiny, which is what God will do. Right? So we started out with what does God say about you? And that begins to drive this down to what God will do through your life. And so you can see this with David, that David's destiny was to become the one who would confront not just Goliath, but all the enemies of Israel, the surrounding nations, that God was going to use David to bring relief to the Israelite nation, to, pro to provide security for them to root them in the Holy Land, to root them in the land of Israel. I mean, David wanted to build the temple. He couldn't do it. Remember why? Blood on his hands. Too much blood on his hands. And when we hear that, we think of that as a negative thing, like he was a bloody man. But I just finished reading it in Kings. When Solomon described it, it just meant that he was a man of war. That, that David's destiny was to win victories for the Israelites so that they were no longer subject to the Philistines or the Amorites or the Moabites or the Edomites. David conquered all of these surrounding nations and Solomon was a man of peace. Solomon didn't need to have blood on his hands because David had kicked everyone's butt. And so Solomon as a man of peace can build the temple, which is another, we won't rabbit trail on this, but if you think about leaders Leaders are there to do two things, either conquer or build. David was a conqueror, Solomon was a builder, and God used both of them. And so sometimes we have to identify if God is going to use us, is it a time to fight and conquer, or is it a time to build? So what God will do through your life 
It started way back with Samuel when David was a young shepherd. God began to shape his identity and it led to his destiny. He became this great warrior poet who freed Israel from their enemies. And this will lead to a legacy, which is what you leave behind. All right, so we could keep going on this, but I'm going to go ahead and just kind of leave it there and say these things kind of fit together. Um, and it starts with our identity. Getting clear on who we are and what God says our purpose is will give us the boldness and focus that we need to begin living a certain way, which will lead to a lifestyle, a way of life, that God will use to leave a legacy, to leave a lasting impact on the world. And so what do we, where do we go from here? A few things I'd like to challenge you with. First of all is figure out your identity and your purpose based on the scriptures. What has God already said about you, who you are, what he wants to do through your life? Get that clarity around who you are and why you're here. Secondly, learn how to live based on that, which is, we might call that training. Train yourself for the purpose of godliness. Start living out individual behavioral changes. Start making individual behavioral changes to to the way you live, not just because it's the right thing to do, but because This is who you are, and this will actually move you towards God's purpose. And then finally, trust God for the bottom of this. Trust God for what he's going to do through your life and for the legacy that he's going to leave behind. All right, so just some quick thoughts on how to leave a legacy. You know, if you want to, if you want God to use your life, and if you want to be a difference maker, When it's all said and done, it really starts with figuring out who you are and why God has you here, your identity and your purpose, and then beginning to allow yourself to be trained to live out of that identity and that purpose. I like uh, 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 through 16. So let's finish with that. might be a good way to tie this all together. In 1 Timothy, Paul's really describing himself. Let me read these verses to you. Paul says, I'm grateful to the one who has strengthened me, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he considered me faithful in putting me into ministry. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and an arrogant man, but I was treated with mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And our Lord's grace was abundant, bringing faith and love in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst. But here is why I was treated with mercy, so that in me, as the worst, Christ Jesus could demonstrate his utmost patience as an example for those who are going to believe in him for eternal life. Right? So, Paul says, 
I was these things. I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was the worst of sinners. That was his identity. But Christ Jesus considered him faithful. And he was so grateful that Christ changed his identity and gave him this purpose. And the thing I like about this is verse 16, where he says, Here is why I was treated with mercy. Do you guys remember why? So that he might be an example to those who would believe, which is us. And so the idea, I think, what Paul is saying is, if God... If God could do this in my life as the worst of sinners, then he can do it in your life. If God could change my identity and transform my purpose, then of course he can do it for you guys because you're not as bad off as I was. And, and God, God restored me, transformed my life. All right. Any, uh, any thoughts from you guys on this uh, progression Make sense? So sometimes we want to change the world. You know, uh, Colvin actually says this. He says the world can only change as individuals in it are transformed. And that starts with us. So if we allow God to reshape our identity and our purpose, that is going to start a chain reaction that will result in legacy what we leave behind. We allow God to do His work in and through our lives. Podcast family, thanks for listening. If you haven't already, head over to iTunes and subscribe. And if you're already subscribed, please take a minute to leave us a review. It goes a long way to helping others find us. If you like what we're doing, drop us a line and let us know. Share it with a friend. In an age of technology, your word of mouth is still the most powerful way to spread the message.